and welcome to Rock and Roll Politics. I was going to say the weekly podcast with me, Steve Richards, but this is an emergency podcast, a bonus podcast. Uh, so it's the twice weekly podcast in these silly times with me, Steve Richards. Um, I'm just um, popping up to say, well, she's gone, Liz Truss, after a few weeks, and I thought we'd better all get together to reflect briefly before we reflect in uh, more depth next week. What I find so interesting is that Truss is the fourth Prime Minister to fall uh, since the Conservatives came back to power in 2010, and all of them have fallen between elections. Not one of them have left office because they were defeated at a general election, uh, but they were removed or chose to leave while still in office. Cameron left in 2016, having lost the uh, Brexit referendum. But remember, a year before he had, albeit by a small margin, won a general election. Uh, Then up popped Theresa May. She was forced out in 2017. In came Johnson. He was forced out last July. And now trust goes too. Um, It is the most extraordinary sequence and pattern, which tells us a lot about the modern Conservative Party, particularly the Parliamentary Party. Uh, The pattern tells us this, that, and we've discussed this many times on the podcast, uh, the electorate are quite often willing to vote in the Conservative Party, whatever state they're in, certainly voters in England. Um, They can win elections, but the modern Conservative Party, with its parliamentary party, then struggles to govern most specifically the Prime Minister. They plunge from crisis to crisis. So it tells us a lot about England and its generosity towards the Conservative Party, that it continues to re-elect them on a regular basis. But it tells us even more about the Parliamentary Party. The Conservative Parliamentary Party has become almost impossible to lead. Uh, That used to be said of the Labour Party and indeed sometimes still is. But there has to some extent been a switch of roles. The uh, Labour Party tends to be now, certainly with Keir Starmer, relatively uh, quiet and loyal. Um, That could change, of course. It can change with any party. But that is its sort of uh, instinctive position, as it was with um, Tony Blair when he won all those elections. In contrast, let's have a look at that sequence, uh, ending now with Truss, with this remarkable, just short few weeks in power before being forced out amidst chaos. Uh, With Cameron, uh, the parliamentary party, it's easy to forget now, uh, made his life pretty hellish. Uh, He did not want to hold a referendum on Europe. He was forced to do so. And one of the reasons he was forced to do so was that he feared, perhaps wrongly, that many of his Tory MPs would defect to what was then the UKIP party. And he thought the only way he could manage his party uh, was to offer them a referendum. 
a referendum, which he then lost spectacularly. And he realised, I think rightly, although it is a sign of his weakness that he made this choice, that he had to go. Some criticise him for dashing out quickly when he should have prepared for a, a specific type of Brexit, a softer Brexit than the insane one negotiated by Lord Frosty Frost, the ubiquitous commentator who recently called for Truss to go, having endorsed her and indeed got excited by her mini-budget. Um, but Cameron really lost all authority, having called a referendum, recommended a particular vote, and it went the other way. Then in came Theresa May, and because politics is moving at the speed of sound at the moment, it's easy to forget the hellish time that she had. A record-breaking number of cabinet resignations. MP after MP voting against her Brexit deal that was the product of such blood, sweat and tears, endless negotiation um, uh, within Europe and then when the deal was done back in Parliament with different factions of the Tory party, off they went uh, and voted against it and defeated it by huge numbers, out walked various cabinet ministers, David Davis went, Boris Johnson went, then she brought in Dominic Raab, he went, Esther McVeigh went, do you remember she was a cabinet minister? One by one, they walked out. It was a parliamentary party that was impossible to manage and to lead. And then up popped Johnson, who had been one of those who was impossible to manage. Uh, he had voted against a deal several times, although in the end he voted for it. And he resigned uh, as Foreign Secretary uh, purely to position himself against her. Uh, he knew he had to do it. David Davis did it first. He had to follow. He wasn't going to do it if David Davis hadn't done it. Again, a bunch of people that were impossible to lead. And up popped Johnson. And because he won a big general election victory for a time, did have control over this parliamentary party. But of course, that control fell away when the evidence of his chaotic, law-breaking, rule-breaking lifestyle emerged um, and, um, and the lies about the rule-breaking. And so he went, unable to form a government. That, in the end, is what did for him. If you remember, uh, he was defiant, even when you know, there was virtually no nobody left in his cabinet. And he sat there in number 10 with his team of sycophantic devotees and said, right, we'll appoint a new government. He was determined to cling on. And he couldn't. They were all saying no. And only then did he go when he couldn't form a government. And now we've had the extraordinary Truss era. Uh, I was going to, I keep on having to change the billing of my live shows next week. I'm doing two next week, uh, one at King's Place and one the Rope Tackle Theatre in Shoreham. And at first it was going to be the Liz Truss special, then it was going to be the Jeremy Hunt special. Now it's going to be uh, another silly leadership contest special. And uh, Truss was extraordinary on so many different levels. Uh, 
I mean, we know about some of it, but it's really interesting that a party decided to choose someone uh, putting forward an unproven, fantastical set of economic policies, um, but also one with no capacity to persuade. She wasn't an impressive performer or interviewee, um, and clearly a sort of bad judge of character. Uh, one of the things that will be overlooked in this drama is this row she's, she had with uh, Suella Braverman over immigration. Now, Truss has always been a sort of supporter of immigration, as incidentally was Johnson before he pretended to be a hardliner uh, on immigration. Uh, she's always been pretty consistent about it uh, because of her obsession with growth. I mean, the fundamental problem in Britain at the moment is uh, labour shortages. Not by any means the only problem, but it's top of the list. Um, and as a result of this, she was in favour of more immigration. But she appointed as Home Secretary a maniac who would kick everybody out if she could, Braverman. Uh, why did Truss not think through the consequences of her appointments? It's a minor point, because she was always going to fall when that mini-budget imploded so spectacularly. Um, but it is an example that one of the qualifications of leadership is the capacity to choose the right people and to understand the qualities and to think through what might happen when you put them in these posts. Um, none of that was done. And uh, we've now had this bizarre, bizarre episode, uh, the latest one in British politics. What's going to happen next? Well, it looks as if Graham Brady, who himself doesn't think through consequences, you know, the chair of the 1922 committee, will contrive a set of rules whereby uh, quite a few people can dare to wonder whether they will be the next prime minister and in doing so will not reflect for very long whether they have the qualities required. They will decide without much reflection that they do indeed have all the qualities required. There is much talk, as you know, about the return of Johnson. Johnson will put his hat in, uh, uh, purely because in the national interest. I, I, I've got to stare. Um, and so his fantasy of a return is uh, fueled a bit um, by the uh, sudden vacancy. And no doubt one of the factors that pushed his people to brief against Sunak and to uh, encourage the candidacy of Truss was precisely because he knew Truss would not be up to the job. I don't think that was his main calculation. I think it was a, a loathing of Sunak and a desire to get revenge on Sunak, who he regarded as instrumental in his fall. Let us all remind ourselves, jo Johnson was the reason he fell. Nobody else. Uh, but that's not how he sees things. Frankly, if we have a Johnson candidacy, uh, Liz Truss might as well throw, throw a hat in the ring, you know. I mean, if you're going to have a prime minister who couldn't form a government just a few weeks ago standing, you might as well have one who did form a government. Government was still more or less intact, give or take a few major departures, um, but she was able to fill the gap. She might as well stand. Liz Truss, I'm standing to be the next Conservative Prime Minister having just resigned. If Johnson can do it, she can do it. Why not? I'm only joking about this trust.
but you know what I mean. It just exposes the absurdity of someone forced out in July coming back as the great hero of the people who threw him out. I mean, how many more layers of madness can we live through? But it is that period when there is an immediate vacancy where the hopes and ambitions of mediocrities uh, burn brightest because they have yet to be tested by um, the electorate, whatever the electorate is, at first, of course, Tory MPs. Um, but I think, you know, Kistama will be feeling a bit ambiguous at the moment. He, under Truss, has enjoyed his most... Uh, 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 sunny period as leader of the opposition and leader of the opposition can bring many dark clouds but it has been sunshine all the way for Keir Starmer under trust uh, dream opinion poll leads and suddenly she's gone uh, so he will be obviously hoping the sense of total chaos and entitlement, as a few people select another prime minister, will kind of cement that poll lead. But he won't be wholly sure. He will have to wonder again whether a new prime minister might have a honeymoon in the way that Truss spectacularly never did. Um, so there will be some doubts in his mind, but I suspect um, if Johnson returns... Uh, he will continue to have the sunniest phase of his leadership um, because it uh, just is ridiculous. Um, now, I know the Tory thinking of those who want him back. Here is the only one, Johnson, who can hold together that December 2019 coalition, who has a rapport with voters, um, and parts of the media. No one else can do it. And there is a legitimacy to him being there because he won in December 2019. Uh, those are all arguments, but they are wiped away by what happened in July when he was removed. It took a long time to remove him then, but he did go. So I think Starmer will be pleased at the prospect of a jo Johnson return, but no doubt even that will be mingled with a slight, oh, I wonder if he could pull it off this time. I don't think he will. And of course, there's that select committee investigation and all the rest of it. With the others, it's very hard to tell in advance quite how they will perform in number 10. Uh, Sunak, uh, remember, proved to be a deeply flawed, half-formed political leader um, when he was chancellor. Uh, the uh, early days of his chancellorship when he was giving out money in the furlough scheme meant he was an incredibly popular national figure and he misread that as a sign that he was ready for the very top and was more exposed subsequently when his Thatcherite instincts meant he didn't raise his um, uh, ambitions to the huge challenges uh, implicit in the uh, energy price rises and all the other things. Do you remember his spring statement, which was so puny he had to come back with B? 
billions more a few weeks later, and that tended to be the pattern of his chancellorship. His instinct prevailed at first, and then he had to make another announcement a few weeks later. Um, And the flaws were also represented in his irritation at being questioned over non-DOM status and his wealth and all these other things, Uh, whereas you have to find a way of dealing with these things uh, more impressively. Now, maybe during his short break, that has happened. Who knows? Um, and Penny Mordant has a certain sort of mischievous enigma. But an enigma can sometimes obscure not very much. I was really struck when she was in the House of Commons, standing in for Liz Truss, who was too scared to appear, um, earlier this week, and it was a, a question to from Keir Starmer, one of these urgent questions. Um, and everyone said, oh, Penny Morden, she was so good. She was so, uh, she really lifted the mood of MPs. Well, I watched it, and she wasn't very good at all. She was a bit formulaic and wooden. Yeah, there was a hint of mischief when she said Liz Truss wasn't hiding under a desk with a sort of stony-faced apparent seriousness. But beyond that, there wasn't um, a huge amount to the performance. But it is interesting that MPs and some political journalists decided it was a kind of bravado, 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 you know, so much is going on, I can hardly speak. I'm not even going to try and say that word again. An exuberant performance from uh, Penny Morden when it wasn't. So we shall see. It will happen in a few days and there will be a sense of deja vu because it will be the same people who strutted across the political stage over the summer and all fell against the might of the Liz Truss candidacy. Um, I would just make one other observation at this point because I think with every political story you have to include this, uh, the role of the Conservative supporting newspapers. And when you look back over the summer at the screaming support for Truss, the um, attacks on Sunak and to some extent on Mordant from Truss's newspapers, the Mail, the Telegraph and so on, and then you look back and reflect on the ecstatic response of the Mail and the Telegraph and Lord Frosty Frost, who is now part of that media landscape, to the uh, calamitous mini-budget. And you just have to be conscious of that never-ending Greek chorus of reactionary um, cheerleaders. Uh, the impact they have on the Tory party membership, um, on the way politics is perceived and normalised. So Liz Truss, became, I saw quite you know reasonably minded journalists tweeting, oh, maybe there's more to Liz Truss than meets the eye. They're only tweeting that because they've read the mail and the telegraph and tried and then sort of, it's propaganda, it's brainwashing. They then see Truss not as she is or was, but what they have been told to see her as. And in some ways, these Tory newspapers are the Conservative Party's greatest asset, um, but they are also a reason for the party's uh, almost existential crisis. Because they 
screams so fanatically from the far right of the Conservative Party. Um, it is very difficult for the party to settle down in any way towards that sort of one-nation Toryism. And by that, I do not mean Rishi Sunak, who is... The, the schism at the moment, as we've discussed here before, is on between the Thatcherite right and those sort of Trussite uh, market libertarians. It, it, it's a civil war on the right of the party. But the one-nation Toryism that Theresa May semi tried to resurrect when she talked about the good the state can do and industrial strategy and all the rest of it um and that johnson in his haphazard erratic way tried to resurrect with his uh, leveling up leveling up leveling, uh, call me rooseveltian that's what i am uh, roosevelt spent money I was um they were both leaning towards a more one-nation Toryism. Uh, but in the end, the screaming newspapers, their columnists, the front-page headlines, the influence they have on the BBC and the way the BBC frames discussions and interviews propels the Tories back to these uh, very, for them, uh, contorted positions. Anyway, these are just a few thoughts trying to delve a bit deeper in these fast-moving times, so fast-moving, God knows what will have happened by the time you listen to this. But I thought I would just pop up and so we could all sort of get together with this emergency podcast. Uh, but do keep your emails coming uh, at steverick14 icloud.com. Um, and yeah, we'll have the normal fully-fledged podcast at our gathering next week and of course please do come along god king's place live on uh next wednesday october the 26th and then the rope tackle in shoreham on october the 27th um and it will now be another silly leadership contest special um it won't be the liz trust special probably won't be the jeremy hunt special but both will feature and yeah, it'll be evenings where we make sense of it all. Anyway, look, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope you've managed to get a bit of a run in whilst listening to this or bake some bread or, or had some very stiff drinks because we're all going to need a combination of these things to get us through the next wild week. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>